0: Going to be receiving Bishop Juliet into the council after the message. You are welcome. And Reverend Victor, you're welcome. Also, you're part of the family and the Church of God. Okay. And I believe it's Goni, is it? God bless you. You're welcome. Reverend Simon, you are welcome. And also Reverend Sean and any other visitors, ministerial ministers, you are welcome. Praise God. Still, people are still arriving. So we thank God on this day. Praise the Lord. It's been an interesting week an interesting start to 2023 and still the world is all over the place there's so much confusion taking place we've seen the wars we've seen earthquakes we've seeing all these things unfold before our very eyes for the media but this is nothing new in fact the master himself prophesied declared and proclaimed if you read, just need to read the Gospels, he t- told us things that will take, be taking place around the world. And we've been exploring the book of Revelation uh, the past few Bible studies on Friday. So if you can attend, sometimes you know, we're, we're taking gaps and we're coming back to it. But if you can attend them, because we don't always transmit them, the reason being is because there's a lot of misunderstanding and you know, sometimes things get lost in translation. And the Bible teaches us that unless we're in the spirit, we will misunderstand the things of God. It says, The natural man, this is 2 Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, The natural man does not receive the things of the spirit that are foolishness to him or to her. Okay, it says, uh, The natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually disowned. Unless we're in the spirit, We have the lens of the Holy Spirit we cannot decode what God is saying and that's the reality sometimes we argue the word of God is not to be argued it's to be ministered and to bring us into that position that we can receive what God is saying to us from a spiritual level because we are physical spiritual and we have a soul and we need to delve into the spirit to understand the things of God you need to become spiritual and that comes through prayer Prayer is the platform, the forum, the channel that we can receive and understand the Bible. Because the Bible is words, but it's the Holy Spirit that gives meaning to those words that we can truly understand what God is saying. Because it's always open to interpretation. Praise God. Amen. Can we make a seat for Ezra? Thank you. Yeah, okay. You're welcome, Ezra. God bless you. So we need to be open in the Spirit to understand the things of God, it's not intellectual. If it was intellectual, if the Bible was to be understood intellectually, the apostles were not qualified. I hope I'm speaking to someone. The apostles were not qualified. They were illiterate. They didn't study in the rabbinical universities. Jesus himself would not have been qualified to teach if it was based on academia. I wish I'm speaking to someone today. And so we need to be open and say, so this is why it's wonderful, because God can reach every person, it's irrespective of your culture, irrespective of your status in life, irrespective of your position, your, your, whatever you're coming from. It doesn't matter, your education, God will meet you in a place where you can understand him. And that's the love of God. He's so simple, simple, but sometimes it can be complicated. But simplicity is the order of the, the, the apostle Paul says, he marveled how people have, have confused uh the the body of christ the simplicity of the gospel and it's so simple love if you're hungry feed you if you're if you're thirsty give you water that's simple you don't need a a, a doctorate to be able to feed someone oh what one second no 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 in twist the world we do need the doctrine to feed someone no 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 we you know we that's that's difficult theology that's a difficult theology Uh, so I need a a doctorate to feed so I need to understand it before I can I need to understand why am I doing this and what reward am I going to get out of doing this what's in it for me if I give you that what's in it for me but the gospel is not what's in it for me what's in it for you that's what the gospel is because you cannot outgive God and certainly you cannot outlive God so praise the Lord amen I've started, I don't know why I started like that, but I need to get out my system. God bless you. Praise God. There's a few things I want to cover today, but let me just, let's start somewhere. Let's, let's read, let's have a gospel read. Let's do something religious. Let's start a gospel reading. Let's all stand together. I want to read from the Gospel of John. I want to read a few verses, chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 7, and then we sit down and see where the Spirit takes us, we flow with the Spirit. This is John chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 7. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to a woman, What does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. Thank God for his word. God bless you. Amen, yeah, I it's about value. Praise God. It's about value. It's important. It's who tells you to do something that is of importance. Uh, anyone could have told the servants to put water in the water pots. You wouldn't have perhaps had the same outcome. They ran out of wine. Does it, Did Jesus consent or promote becoming drunk? It might have been a good thing to run out of wine, yeah, stop people going out of control. But they asked, they needed wine, and Jesus directs them to the water. And sometimes in life, we look at something; it doesn't, and things don't always look what they seem. There is always something beyond what we're looking up on the surface. God knew, Jesus knew what He wanted to do, but He works in unusual ways, unconventional. God is unconventional. He does things that will blow our mind. He does things that we will not understand. And he calls us to do things that we do not understand. But the important thing is to trust him. And we need to identify who those servants are that he directs to fill the, the water pots with water. And they fill them to the brim. It's not half full, but to the brim. I'd say overspilling. my cup runneth over, David says. You don't do something half heartedly. He said they didn't half-fill them. When we do things, we do it half-heartedly oftentimes, and we don't get the benefit of the outcome. He says, fill those water pots, meaning give them clear instructions. And the thing is that we need to do the fullness of what God is telling us, because if we cut corners, we'll miss the whole point of what the whole lesson is about. And we need to be open to the lead in what God is saying. So these servants have to feel, they feel them to the brim, it tells us. And when we do something, we do the best maximize what we do to our best ability. Because the, we do the natural, we do as much as we can in the natural. And God adds his supernatural in the situation and he changes everything. But if we're not doing something in the natural, the supernatural will not take place. God co-works with us. And that's the problem. Of this generation, where sport generate, we want everything. We want everything given to us, and we don't want to make the effort. And I showed time before, weeks before, when sometimes before a miracle happens in the life of different people in the Bible, they had to make an effort. Last week I said when the Lord climbed the mountain, they took the lame, the sick, the blind, the the ones who were suffering, they took them up on the mountain. There was an effort to take someone up on the mountain to take them to Jesus. But it was their effort that brought the miracle. The miracle started at the foot of the mountain, not when they arrived at Jesus. Because the miracle started in the the hearts of the ones who were taking the person to Jesus that changed everything everything. The miracle begins here before you see the reality of the miracle. The miracle has already taken place. You need to walk into the reality and fulfillment of that miracle. It changes everything. When God touches you, you change. You can never be the same again. Hallelujah. Yesterday I was with Ezra. Last night we went to Yulke. There was a boxing event there and we went to see a friend, someone we know, to compete in. Thank God he won. Well done, Jeffrey. He he won his his bout and while I was there, the promoters, a good friend of mine, Uh, he gave me a gift. He gave me this. I bought it actually to show you. He gave me something to use for our event next week. He gave me this glove, and uh, he said to me, "You can you can use it at your event to raise some funds for the for the charity for the work that we do." I said, "That's nice. I mean, you take this look at this glove. It's just one glove. Wouldn't it be better to have two gloves? (laughs) One glove. and What can I use one glove? It's like it's like someone giving you a one shoe. You can hop around. One shoe." Yeah, what price you put on a shoe, how's that going to help me? But there's a difference with this glove. It's what it has on it that gives it a value. And I've got our overhead of who who signed this glove. This is Canelo, the world champion on different weights. He signed this glove, his signature's on this glove. Now, the glove is worth really nothing as one glove. I've never seen boxers boxing with one hand. Some do, though. But... The jab, but one hand. But it's really worthless, really. If you have one glove on its own, you throw it away. But something happens when something is added to this glove, changes what this glove represents and the value of this glove. A shoe on its own is worth nothing. But if a famous runner signs it, it changes that value of that one shoe. I wish I'm speaking to someone today. It changes your value. Who you're connected to changes your value. They run out of wine. There was something there who could make the difference. Those water pots were, were just normal worth the, 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 the currency of its day. But when Jesus touches those water pots and speaks about them and directs them, he changes what's the value of what's in the water pot. I wish I'm speaking to someone. You go to the shop, you buy a bottle of water, it's one pound. You buy a bottle of wine, it's six, seven pounds, 20 pounds. Some wine is cost thousands of pounds if it's mature, so, so long. It's what's in it that makes a difference. It's who touches you that makes a difference. And the fact that Cornello signed this gives it different, a different price tag. And it comes down to you and I. Because God, before God touched you, you're worth one price. When God has touched you, you become priceless. Oh, I wish i'm speaking Paul tells us in two corinthians chapter one verse twenty one he says, Now he who established us is us with you now he who established us with you is Christ in Christ has anointed us is God and has anointed us god." who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. God has given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. That means your price, the stock of your worth has increased. You have become priceless. Jesus said, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Meaning you are worth more than the whole world. There's not a price anyone could put on you. You are priceless. There's no diamond, nothing precious in the whole world that equates, comes to the value that God has placed upon you. And that's the attitude you need to have. You're more than a conqueror. Praise God. Hallelujah. So when Jesus is in the situation, he changes the dynamics of that situation in your life. And coming back to our narrative here, he he said to the servants, He said to the servant, Jesus said, fill the the water pots with water. He says, fill them with water. God is a God of detail. When He speaks into our lives, He wants us to fulfill, to follow it to the letter. He doesn't want us to cut corners. He wants us to do fully what He tells. If you're training, if you're cutting corners in your training, then the outcome will not be. What you expect in life when you cut corners in things, you don't have the the right outcomes. You need to do maximize everything you do to get the best give yourself the best advantage of every situation. Let me just come back to my narrative here because there's some interesting things that we can draw and learn from this narrative. Very important things here. Okay. We're told they run out of wine. Life has a tendency to cause us to become depleted. Life, we're knocked around to and fro that we become sometimes empty, we're empty. And we sometimes are lacking in different things. And with a struggle in life, we have storms in life that we cannot sometimes feel that we cannot overcome. And we see that it's Jesus's mother that brings this to the attention of Jesus. And the way she phrases it, she says, they have no wine, not we have no wine. God is, she's not asking him to provide something that he needs. She's asking him to provide something that they need. When Jesus was crucified, it wasn't because he needed to be crucified for himself. He was crucified because of what we needed. I wish I'm speaking to someone, yeah? So everything that the Lord does, he does always for our benefit and for our advantage and for our well-being. Yeah? He doesn't do it because he needs it. God is complete in himself. He's perfected himself. You cannot add to God anything to make him more perfect. He's full and complete and whole in himself. And when God moves, it's for our benefit, not for his benefit. Praise God. And his response, when Mary asked him, well, his mother, were told here, uh, she said, the mother of Jesus said to, said to, G, to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? When Jesus, oftentimes in the scripture, you find that when Jesus approached and asked for something, it seems on the surface that he raises an objection why he should do what people request him to do. Come on, I wish I'm speaking. And there's a reason because of that, to see, to expose what's truly in the heart. What do you really want from me? Jesus is saying, so we know really, what do we, we need to define what, what we want and why we are asking the question we are asking. And sometimes it's not always obvious what's going on to people around onlookers because God is dealing with individual hearts. Because today, you're processing this message on different levels, from different backgrounds. You have a different subscript in your minds. There's different things you're preoccupied with. So each person will receive a different aspect of this message, depending on where you are in your spiritual journey. Yeah? So he seemingly raises an objection. And he does this to invite a response. How do we respond to our objection? Do we truly want it? Yeah? What value are we placing on what we are asking? Is it just a side statement or do we really mean what we say and say what we mean? And we see this oftentimes happen around people around Jesus. Jesus. And many times that we're we're told that different women approach him and ask for different things or have an encounter with him in different ways. And his response is different to each one of them. Come on. So this is his mother, which is Mary, but he doesn't address her as mother. He says woman. And he generalizes. Generically, he addresses it in a generic way because he's speaking to humanity, to the world. He says, well, What do you, what's your concern got to do with me? What are your problems got to do with Jesus? Come on, listen to this. What, what is what you're going through got to do with Jesus? He says, My hour has not come. And sometimes we feel that God is not answering us at, at the right time where we want the answer. But the Bible teaches us that his deni- delays are not his denials. The Bible teaches sometimes the delays because we're not ready to receive what He has to give us because it will blow, it will turn us inside, outside down when He got it immediately what we want, what we're asking for. My hour has not come. Maybe you want some, you've been wanting something, it's not been happening. Maybe it's not the right time for you to receive what you expect to receive. That's why the Bible says, Them that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You need to wait sometimes to have that outcome. Yeah? David said in Psalm 40, I waited patiently. There was a different time. It wasn't waited till five o'clock, waited till Tuesday, Monday. He said, I waited patiently. The problem, we're, we're impatient. We're living in a microwave generation. We want everything yesterday, here and now. i got to have it now. We no longer can wait. If a chicken behaves like weight, it'll kill its offspring. It goes for a 20-day so cycle to hatch the egg. You cannot fast-track uh, an egg being hatched, depending on the type of bird. And depending on the type of bird, determine how long it will take for that egg to hatch. You cannot fast-track this. And we want fast-track, we want it immediately. And God says, Sometimes you have to wait because you need to be in a position to receive and value what you receive. My hour has not come. He says, I waited patient for the Lord and inclined to me and heard my cry. If we look at, we we apply this in the life of Joseph. God gave him a dream, said, God, I'm going to raise you up. Spoke prophetically in his dream to Joseph. When he said, share the dream with his brethren, they wanted to kill him. Your joy sometimes is other people's misery. Your celebration will cause other people to be sad. You get that when you get home. Sometimes your success will offend people. They don't want to see you succeed. That's why the tabloids are all about bad news. Celebrating bad news. Shock. That's what the tabloids are built upon. But we have good news, praise God. He says Joseph was, he told his brethren they wanted to kill him, put him in a a waterless pit. And the Ishmaelites came and took him out, sold him into Egypt as, as a slave. And he went and he ended up in Potiphar's house and from there he ended up in prison. He was 17 years old when he began that journey. He was 30 years old before he came out of prison. Can you imagine that? Fast track. You want it today. I'm not going to wait uh, 13 years to have my, what, I, what I deserve. I want it here and now. But he, he, he served God in spite and not because. He still trusted that promise. He didn't understand it but he trusted and this is what David is doing. His life is threatened. Saul wants to kill him. He's running. He's on, on the run. He's hiding because he knows his life is threatened. But he still trusts on the Lord. And he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then he says, he inclined to me and heard my, let me tell you every person at the end of my voice watching live stream and here today, God has heard your prayer. Hallelujah. And the answer is coming. It may not come in the package you expect it to come, but the answer either has arrived today as we speak or it's arriving. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's better than the roll mail. <laughs> Delays. That's what roll mail is doing now. Delays are not his dinars. My godson Louis sent me a letter last week. I arrived yesterday. I with always he's going to arrive the day after or two days. It takes time. Praise God. And, and, and so we've got we to gotta have this mindset. We've got to have this. Religion is not writs and rites and ceremonies, rules, legalism. It's about relationship. Yes. It's not talking at you, it's talking with you. It's you inclusive in the message of God and riding right the current of the Holy Spirit. And God, God loves everyone in spite. It's not the position God is looking at. It doesn't care what position you hold in the church. Because you're in there, that's God loves you. And your value. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then he says in verse 2, "This I want to come to this very quickly. And he also brought me up out of the horrible pit. Today, someone is coming out of the horrible pit. Today, God is going to have an answer for someone. You didn't know how it was going to come. It's going to come to you in one way that you will understand it. Out of the miry and out of the miry clay, he set my feet upon a rock. The rock of our salvation is Jesus Christ and establish myself. God wants to establish you in your journey, in your life, in everything. He wants to establish, you might have waited patiently, now is the hour, now is the time. do expect the outcome, praise God. He said, to, my hour has not yet come. Hallelujah. So sometimes God seems to be out of time with our timing, but as long as he's on time, that's what matters. When his friend Lazarus had died, they gave him the news. It was two days he was dead. He delayed two more days before he went to Lazarus. Four days he delayed. But his delays are not his denials. Yet the vision tarry, it shall come to pass. And he came to the tomb of Lazarus. And he called him from the depths of Sheol. He called him from the depths of Hades. And the the, the word vibrated, resonated through the corridors of eternity. And Lazarus, Picked up that side, that wave, and rolled the wave of the sound of his voice and stepped out from darkness into light. Hallelujah, praise God. And when God is going to speak to you, you're going to step out of your dark tomb to life and that in more abundance. Hallelujah, praise God. So he says, it's There was a woman, it's just on the theme of the woman from Canaan. Her daughter was demon possessed. Come on, I wish, let's let's work this because these are important lessons that we can learn for our own journey. These are not lip service. These are principles for life, transformation of life from the depth of the heart. And she came to Jesus and wanted him to heal her daughter, set her daughter free. A Canaanite woman approaches Jesus who was a Gentile and the Gentiles was considered like dogs in the eyes of the Jews. I wish I'm speaking to someone. They were inferior. They had no time for them. The Jews were the cream of the crop and everyone else was inferior, downtrodden, looked like an infidel, an outcast. And she approached, and I want to just touch upon this in the light of my hour has not yet come. Matthew 15 verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from, that re- who came, uh, came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered not a word. He didn't actually speak to her. He ignored her. Seems to be passive-aggressive. Silence, ignoring someone is, 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 is an offense. You're insulting. To ignore someone means you're looking up as an inferior. This is Jesus. Now, this woman could have been offended. We would have been offended. He hasn't, he hasn't even looked at me. He hasn't even spoken. He's ignored me as if I'm, not, I'm nothing. This is Jesus. This is the woman from Canaan. Have mercy on me, son of David. My daughter is severely uh, demon-possessed. But he answered not a word. And his disciples came urged him, saying, send her away. She cries out after us. But he answered said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. He, he, not only does she want to have a discussion with him, ask him to do something, acknowledge him as Lord, and she calls him Lord, the son of David, yeah uh, David, she says to him, uh, she's, she's telling her her, her her situation, and sometimes we pray, Lord, this is my situation, and sometimes God seems silent in our struggle, in our pain, sometimes there seems to be a silence there. And we cannot come to terms, why is it, if I believe in God, why isn't God acknowledge my prayer sometimes or asking these questions? Yeah. And sometimes God speaks in silence because he wants us to hear our voice, see exactly what we're speaking about and what we are saying. And so he's in silence. And he says, look, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, <clears throat> And uh, then she came and worshipped him. Now, not only is she crying to him and he's ignoring her, she comes, goes more further, she begins to worship him. Many people would have given, given up at the first post where they're being ignored. i say, I don't, I'm, I'm going to walk away from this, try and find some other solution. But she persevered. David says, I waited patiently. She persevered. We have that character of perseverance. If you don't succeed, try again. And If you don't succeed, try again. Until you get to where you feel you need to be. And she came and worship, she's worshipping. Worshipping in those days, which would be in these days, was prostrated in front of him. She, she, she basically reinforced what he said, that she was nothing. She acknowledged her nothingness. I am nothing, you are everything. But there was something that drew her to Jesus because she heard the narrative about him. She, she, she heard about the miracles, yeah? She heard what was going on in the life of Jesus. And if you read what followed, preceded, did you see the miracles, how Jesus functioned, moved, and saw the outcomes of people, testimonies of people being touched. But she knew he was her only hope in her hopelessness. And she worshiped him and she said, Lord, help me. Can you imagine being rejected? And then he adds insult to injury And he said to her, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Can you imagine that response? Look, that's hard. These are hard sayings of Jesus. We see Jesus love. Yeah, man, love, cool. Sandals, as they call them, Jesus creepers. Walking around, yeah, love, flowers, rainbows. But it's hard saying, can you imagine saying, look, this is, you're a dog. <laughs> sure, along with it, you're a dog. That's how the Jews saw the Gentiles. When Psalm 23 says dogs have surrounded the dogs, he's speaking about the Gentiles. The bulls of Bushan are the Jews, but the dogs are the Gentiles. And she responds. Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus marvels. Then Jesus answered and said to a woman, where is our faith in our generation? Great is your faith. But what people don't realize is that Jesus, in order to show her mercy, because that's what she asked, mercy, he had to violate a law. For Jesus to show this this Canaanite woman, he had to violate a law that Moses recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 2. And this was the law that he violated. Show no mercy to the Canaanites. You can change God's move by your attitude, can change heaven. And this is one of the great, this is the lesson Jesus is showing us. By our attitude, we can change outcomes. You can change predetermined outcomes by your attitude, by doing certain things, changing certain things in your life can change certain outcomes in your life. Cause and effect. We're reaping the outcome what we did 10, 15 years ago by something we have that set of calls on our journey that in situations we should not have been in. Yeah? And our attitude can change everything. And so he says, this is what we're told in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1. Very quickly, before I come back to the wedding in Canaan. Are we having a wedding today? We've had a few weddings. Yeah? We've had a few weddings. We're going to have more weddings, and we celebrate what God is doing. And I pray you're going to have Jesus at your weddings. <laughs> and you're not going to run out of wine. <laughs> when the Lord, uh, your God, brings you into the land which you go to possess... And has cast out many nations before you the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Ammonites and the Canaanites and the Pezerites and the Hevites and Jebusites, seven nations greater than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you should conquer them and utterly destroy them. You should make no covenant with them nor show mercy to them. And a Canaanite woman now strolls along and says, show me mercy. Bishop Lovejohn, please come to the front, God bless you. Let's give a a welcome to Bishop, praise God. So So he says to his mother, my hour has not yet come. Sometimes it doesn't seem like the right time. Sometimes we're out of time, out of sync. With perhaps what God is doing and patience is very important with things of God we need to be still Psalm 46 verse 10 says be still and know that I'm God don't run around trying to make it work out for yourself trust me and I will show you the way forward I will lighten your path I'll be a light unto your feet and a lamp unto your path I will I will guide you yeah I will show you how to navigate how to move forward you know, Habakkuk tells us if the vision tarry, it shall come to pass. It shall not tarry. Wait. You know, David, was. we said, he says, wait upon the Lord. I waited patiently. Be patient in your waiting upon the Lord. Isaiah tells us those who wait upon the Lord shall renew the strength. So it means wait the not indefinite time. You're waiting upon the Lord. And Luke tells us in chapter 18, verse 1, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not to lose heart. Pray without losing heart. If it's not happening, maybe it's not right for you. Maybe it's not the right time. Maybe it is the right time and God doesn't want to answer that prayer. There's something going on there. If you look at uh, parallel this with Elijah, he wanted to die and God didn't take his life. Wasn't the right kind of prayer. Sometimes you're saying the wrong prayer. We're asking for the wrong things. We're not always getting what we want to get. You can, you can identify with that, can you not? When you were children, you asked your parents to think, did they give you everything you wanted? No. That's why they went to the grandparents. it's not not true <laughs> therefore we do not lose heart praise god can I have some tissues please thank you yes grown men do cry yeah praise god so so how do you how, how does it work? You, you've run out of one thing, but God uses something else to supply the thing that you've run out with—something completely different to what you run out of. Does it make sense? You're looking at something. How could? How you can you interpret these jars, water pots of purification, and think that they will be the solution to what is lacking, what has run out? Sometimes God does unusual things, unconventional things that we don't expect. And we sometimes lock God in our limitations because we cannot see, we believe God cannot do it. Is that right? So we can't see how that can happen. So it can't work in my mind. Well, I'm not God. You're not God. I'm not God. But things do happen. God can transcend our limitations and change things and use the most obscure things, most unconventional ways to bring about the outcome, what we need, bring our supply, supply. Our needs. When there were, God had done it time before, there's, there's reference point, there's references to what God can do in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. It's impossible until it's done. When they went to the, the place Marah and, 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 the, and the water was bitter, they didn't know what to do. They couldn't drink it. They, they were going to die of thirst. So what does Moses do? He takes a branch, God shows him a branch, takes this branch, puts it in the water. The water becomes sweet. They wouldn't have known Now, How can you change water by using a branch, a piece of wood in some water to change the water Sweet, where well, he did it in your life. He did it in my life. When my heart was embittered, when my heart was polluted, he took the cross of Calvary and put it into my heart and changed my bitterness and my pollutedness and gave me transformation and cleansed me. Hallelujah. Praise God. He took something obscure, something nonsensical, and he made sense in my life of my my nonsense through something obscure, something unconventional. The cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but the power of God unto them who are being saved. (laughs) Hallelujah, praise God. So it, it seems strange, seems impossible until it's done. Before man wanted to run faster than some of the, 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 the animal kingdom, they were running, they wanted to, to conquer the four-minute mile. And we, so we have the record in 1954, Roger Bannister completed the four-minute mile by running in three minutes, 59-something points, something seconds. But before that, it seemed an impossibility. But once he'd done it, he opened the way for thousands of others after him to run the four-minute mile because they knew they could conquer that four-minute mile, praise God. Hallelujah, praise God. It takes me five hours to run the marathon, plus the, the, the athletes running 2.17 17 minutes, 2 hours, 17 minutes, 26.2 miles. They finished having their lunch and I'm still running. Praise God. God does amazing things, unusual things. You've got to trust the God of the Bible. The Bible is like no other book. Hallelujah, praise. No other book is like the Bible. God works things out in ways that we cannot even fathom, understanding our limited uh, way of thinking. God is above that, transcends everything. God can do more than we can ask and we can think. He works in unusual ways. So he says, fill this and he... So notice this. Jesus tells them to do it. And then they take it to that. He says, take it to the master of the feast. So he tells them to do it, the servants to do it, and take it to the master of the feast. Jesus directs them and they act upon his direction. So I'd like to put ourselves in the position of the servants. We receive instruction from Jesus. See... They didn't go to Jesus, wasn't directly to Jesus. It's his mother, the woman who approaches Jesus, praise God, and that has that response that allows you to respond to their need. Hallelujah. They may not be able to get to Jesus to pray, to ask him to intervene in their situation, but they can come to you and you can go to Jesus and ask him to meet the need around you where you are. Wish I'm speaking to someone. And that's your position in the world today. You stand oftentimes in the gap to highlight, to be the signpost to point people to Jesus. They may not see Jesus, they may never read the Bible, but they can encounter you. And by virtue of your encounter, God can intervene even in their situation. Like the people last week who carried the sick, the maimed, the blind, the ones who had infirmities to Jesus. You can be the try, help, transport them to bring them to Jesus and change their whole lives can be changed. Amen. Hallelujah, praise God. And so that's what we, we're sharing today, the love of God that can work in very obscure ways, unconventional ways to bring a change in our lives. And I pray today, the water in your life will change to something amazing. Yes. Hallelujah. hallelujah, hallelujah. Be that person to make the difference, praise God, in someone's life today. Call upon Jesus. And his seemingly objections are there to get a response from us. Do we really want it? Do you want intervention from the Lord? Or is that just lip service? They'll be like the Canaanite woman, persist, persevere, be tenacious, do not give up. And if all things fail, try again. Keep pressing forward, pressing like the woman with the issue of blood, pressing through those crowds until you get to where you need to be in the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together. Hallelujah.